Hello, and welcome to Love the Game, Live the Dream. Join me, your host, Nick Holmes, and my array of guests as we prove to you that you don't have to be a Hall of Fame player, a first-round draft pick, or even a high school standout, for that matter, to have a successful career in the sport of baseball. This podcast is brought to you by World Baseball Experience. Love the Game, Live the Dream is an entertaining yet insightful look at some of the baseball world's brightest and most talented minds. You're going to hear the life stories, struggles, and triumphs of everyday coaches, scouts, executives, and even entrepreneurs that are making their mark in baseball and in life by pursuing their passion and love of the greatest game on earth. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy Love the Game, Live the Dream. We're back. What's up, gang? How's everybody doing on this gorgeous March 14th, Thursday afternoon? I hope it's gorgeous wherever it is that you're sitting, but I cannot believe how close we are to baseball season just two weeks away before opening day hits, and uh, it is getting pretty heavy over here. What's happening? We got episode 12. That's what's happening. Starting here in just a few minutes, my guest today is Owen Reed. Owen is what I call a baseball nomad. I mean, I thought I had it figured out by traveling around 14, 15 different countries. This guy blows me away, man. He's been to over 40 countries and figured out how to either play or code for the last decade. And I am excited for you guys to hear his story. Give you a quick background on Owen. Graduated from high school in Missouri, Moberly, Missouri, that is. And then upon graduating from there in 2005, he received a scholarship to play baseball at Baylor University. And he ended up transferring and graduating from Winthrop University uh, with a Bachelor of Arts degree in mass communication. And he'll talk a little bit about his experiences there. He'll talk about how he got into coaching and the travel bug. Uh, Basically, in his words, he was chasing the sun, which I think is phenomenal, you know, to be able to do two things that you love to do in life, you know, play baseball, coach baseball, and travel. And uh, this guy got it figured out. So any of you people out there that don't have a ton of responsibilities, i.e. families, uh, full-on careers, uh, anything like that, you know, mortgages or whatever, if you're into packing up and seeing the world, this is the guy to get in touch with and find out, uh, you know, how you can follow in his his footsteps. So, um I think you guys are really going to like this episode. We're going to talk about a lot of different things, and I don't want to blow it by uh, giving you a bunch of information here in the intro. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with Owen Reed. All right. Hey, welcome to the show, Owen. I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to be with me on the uh, Love the Game, Live the Dream podcast. How you doing, buddy? Nick, it's good to be on the show. I really appreciate you asking me to be here and excited to talk baseball with you. Yeah, it's been a little while. We've been uh, bouncing around over the last few months trying to uh, get in touch with each other, and I'm glad I finally got you nailed down. So uh, real quick before we get started on everything, how's th- how are things going overseas? You're back in Singapore now, right? Yes, Singapore is home. All is well on this side of the world and fortunate to still be able to call baseball a, quote, job and travel the world and continue to, as you say, love the game and live the dream. 
Yeah, man. I tell you, you are the perfect candidate for the show. One of the people that I had in mind when I first came up with the concept and it just, you know, and then I just kept meeting more people like, like yourself. And I thought, well, you know, why not? Let, let's put this out there and see what, uh, see what kind of feedback we get and people enjoy it. So, um, we'll get into a couple of different things. And, uh, one of them being uh, baseball jobs overseas and how we met. I just had David Burns on the show a couple episodes ago. I haven't finalized editing that yet, but we'll, we'll tell all the listeners how we got connected through him. But I do like to start off every show the way every good story uh, does from the beginning. And if you could, I'd like to know where were you born and what your family uh, life was like when you were growing up and when was the first time you got introduced to baseball and, and how did that get going for you? Born in Moberly, Missouri, a small town of about 14,000 people in mm-hmm. north central Missouri. So a Midwestern boy. Mm-hmm. And what I was year was that? To- that was 1986. Uh, yes, back in the 80s. Okay. All right. <laughs> so I was raised in a baseball family. My father, my uncle, my grandfather all grew up playing the game, all ended up coaching the game at various levels. And as a result, I was the bad boy for many of my dad's teams. And of course, then transitioned into the, you know, the coach's son who's moving right through the ranks and, and having a chance to play baseball at all levels, but be exposed to it from a very young age. So I'm, I'm very fortunate to have, to have it in my blood and to have had the opportunity to have the influences like my grandfather, my uncle, and my father at, at every stage of my baseball career. Oh, that's awesome, man. Did, uh, did either one of them play professionally or were they just uh, coaches and, and lovers of the game? They were coaches and lovers of the game. My uncle was drafted uh, by the Minnesota Twins back in the 80s, did not sign, did not play for a very good collegiate career. And my father played local baseball, you know, in north central Missouri, much like my grandfather. And for them in, in that era, in those eras, it was more focused on work. We had a family business in our town. And so for my grandfather and my father, that was what they did for their entire lives. And that was that took precedence over, over everything. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And so tell me a little bit about, um, your path to where you're at right now as a player, you know, going through growing up in Missouri. I know you went to a couple of different schools outside of Missouri, uh, after high school. So, uh, walk us through that. So I had a, a very unique, I suppose, path to where I am today. And mm-hmm. obviously there's numerous people, probably so many that I, that I can't name all of them and uh, who, who were able to make this journey possible for me. And it started in, as I mentioned, in Moberly, Missouri. And then my, my trip, my baseball trip, my baseball journey has taken me to throughout the Midwest. So in high school baseball, I played for a group called the Midwest Prospects in the summer. And that exposed me to countless number of colleges and professional scouts uh, along the way, which gave me an opportunity to demonstrate what I could do on the field and who I am as a person. And so that afforded me the opportunity to earn a scholarship to Baylor University, where I played for my freshman year and then decided to shift programs and ended up transferring to Winthrop University, which is out in South Carolina, and was able to thanks to the timing, was able to transfer and not have to sit out a year from Division One school to Division One school, mm-hmm. and then played my final three years of college baseball at Winthrop. And if I'm looking at it honestly and objectively, had a very subpar, at best, collegiate career in terms of statistics. Uh-huh. But 
for me, it was, it was far beyond the numbers, uh, the things that I learned in the dugout, in the clubhouse, in the weight room and on the field from not only the coaching staff, but my teammates, my peers, and then the, of course the, the opponents, the guys in the other dugout, it was, mm-hmm. it was an experience across those four years that I wouldn't trade for anything. And obviously, uh, then graduating in 2009 from Winthrop, I had the opportunity to go play overseas in Austria. So spent my first stint of international baseball in Vienna and was fortunate to be on a, a team that made a nice run. And we won the Austrian baseball league championship for the first time for the club in 20 years. And then from there it springboarded into opportunities in New Zealand and then in Austria again, and then in Australia. And then that took me to Singapore and Indonesia and back to Singapore and now places in the middle East and then throughout Southeast Asia, which I am currently calling my work. (laughs) Wow. That is what an incredible journey. Did you realize, or did you know at that point that this, that baseball was going to be a part of your life, even up until today as, as a coach and an instructor and things like that, or were you studying something else had to maybe make a decision? It's a great question, Nick. And I had, of course, everyone has the dream as, mm-hmm. as, you, as you have coined, you know, live the dream and the dream for me right up until it kind of struck me probably in my junior year at Winthrop. My dream was of course to play major league baseball. And it wasn't a matter of, Oh, well, if I make it, it was, I don't know, when, when am I going to make it? And right. I, remember, I remember growing up reading Derek Jeter's book, the life you imagine. And he had that same mentality and the story that he told every year when the teacher would ask everyone in the classroom what they wanted to be when they grow up was, um, I'm going to be a major league baseball player. And Mm -hmm. early on in, in Derek's, in his school years, everyone in the class would kind of laugh and giggle. And then as each year went by for him, there were less giggles. And then there were, there were less, there were less doubters who, when he said that, they knew that, Hey, Derek's on this path and he's going to do it. And obviously for him, it came true. And, you know, my mindset was not too dissimilar to that. Of course, quite the opposite paths, but nevertheless, that was my mentality. And so it wasn't until my junior year when it kind of hit me that, Hey, I'm probably not going to be drafted. I'm probably not going to have a chance to play major league baseball. I still love the game. I do still want to live the dream of being involved in the game. And Mm -hmm. so I started to kind of explore other opportunities. My degree was in mass communications. So I had experience in print journalism, radio and television broadcasting, and then my minor was in Spanish. And so studying those in those realms, I felt like there were ample opportunities, certainly domestically that I could have explored, but then over, overseas and internationally would have had opportunities as well to, to stay in those fields. But mm-hmm. for me, the decision really came when I knew I wasn't going to play domestically in the U.S. I, I wanted to explore things out of North America. So I went to my college coach at the time and I said, I want to play college. I want to play baseball overseas and I'd love to do it in a Spanish speaking country. So you're, you're doing the math right now in your head and Austria, no, they don't speak Spanish. (laughs) And there are are very few countries even in in that part of the world that do. So for me, it was not the the perfect fit in terms of what I wanted and, you know, what I stepped into his office to, to hopefully come away with, but I wouldn't again, trade it for anything. And the path that it's allowed me to to take and the people that I've met and the experiences that I've had, it's they're second to none. 
That's great. Yeah. So how many countries uh, have you been to in total baseball related, whether playing, coaching or, or you know, visiting for, for baseball purposes? Well, that is that is a good question. The, the specific number of countries that I've been to in, in total is 46. Wow. I have and I can honestly say that if it were not for baseball, I wouldn't have visited any of those. So wow. I guess, you know, the, the reality is that baseball's allowed me to see all of those and will continue to allow me to see others. That is great. So visiting these countries and, and going around, um, I wanted to bring this up, like I said, in the beginning, baseball jobs overseas. Uh, I had founder David Burns on the, the show just uh, last week. And, you know, he was the reason that I was able to obtain uh, a couple of jobs here in Canada after, you know, struggling, looking for opportunities and, and, uh, you know, traveling around in, in my career path. And you were one of the first guys that I noticed on his site because he had done a podcast with you, which I just thought it was so inspiring and so just perfect timing for me to listen to. And I have to give uh, credit to not only, you know, David doing his site and finding guys like us, but, but to that podcast and listening to your story and basically just thinking to myself, well, gosh, I mean, there's the proof right there, right? That's kind of what we do as entrepreneurs is we go out and we find people that have done the things we want to do and then try to, you know, repeat what they've done. Correct. Um, but yeah, I just, I wanted to ask you, you were already doing this, like you had already played overseas before you found, uh, baseball jobs overseas. So what was it like once you connected with David and him, did it, did it help boost your, uh, opportunities anymore or were you pretty much already doing it? Well, David and I have a unique, I suppose, uh, story that we kind of share that when I went to Austria in 2009, we were opponents. So we didn't know each other. I got to Austria and he was in another dugout and we really didn't cross paths as players in the kind of way that maybe we would today where, you know, I'm eight years down the road and, and have a little bit different perspective or I suppose approach to things back then it was, I'm competing against you and I don't want to get to know you and we're not friends But off the field. Of course, it was, it was a different story and, and we did get to know each other and we kept in touch and, it really wasn't until I was kind of already on my path that I suppose that David's, uh, David's outfit, you know, the baseball jobs overseas really started to take off and, and get some serious traction. But all the while, the concept was something that I was really supportive of. David and I had, as you mentioned, a few podcasts that we did together uh, and, and numerous conversations and email exchanges and worked together to, to help a few guys out that I knew and mm-hmm. a few guys that on his side, he was looking to get placed. And so early on, we were, were kind of collaborating, I suppose, in that way organically. And it really didn't, it really didn't dawn on me that, hey, you know, this, this could be a full-time gig for David. And he could bring on guys that would assist right. in, in these capacities to help guys and girls get mm-hmm. a chance to play baseball and or softball in other parts of the world. So it was a really unique way that, that David and I came into contact with mm-hmm. each other. Of course, then having an opportunity to meet someone like yourself and, as we've said before, you're around good people, good, passionate people who have the right intentions. Those are the kind of people you want to stay in touch with. Yeah, absolutely. And so, okay. So before you took off uh, on your journey overseas and college was over, did you have any advice from any coaches or, or mentors or anybody outside of baseball that said, look elsewhere, or why don't you try going to Europe or whatever? Was this something that you just came up with? I mean, how did, how did that transpire? 
Well, certainly all along I had support of my family and close friends who, who thought the journey that I was on, or at least the, the initial steps that I'd been taking were really unique and really cool, you know, kind of in their, in their words. And so for me, it was, it was inspiring to hear, you know, to receive that kind of feedback. And it wasn't, there was never any negativity surrounded by it. So I was encouraged by the fact that I had the support from those close to me, whether they were physically close or just emotionally. And then, you know, we were in touch, but honestly, I, I didn't really, I didn't probably do as much research as I would if I were taking these same steps today. I kind of, I suppose I kind of just allowed the process to unfold and would gather as much information as I could without knowing anything, you know, knowing mm-hmm. that hey, the winter, the, the, the Southern hemisphere is, is going to be the opposite of the Northern hemisphere. So if I want to chase the sun, then I need to go to Australia, South Africa, or New Zealand. And that can be my winter baseball fix. And if I want to be closer to home, during the, during the summer in North, in North America or in the Northern Hemisphere, then Europe or the United States or Canada, those are going to be my places to be. So right. it, it didn't, it wasn't a huge equation for me or it didn't, it wasn't a, a thing that took up a lot of time or consumed me in terms of planning. It really just kind of happened organically. And as you know, Nick, the, the baseball community is, is one that's very small and the fraternity, yeah. as much as it grows by the day, it, it seems to shrink simultaneously. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a logical approach that you took there too. Like you said, if I'm going to chase the sun, these are my options. Uh, I like that. Um, and then, yeah. And then you throw in the fact that the baseball community is small, so it is tough. And the reason why I brought that up is it's just such a different time. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit older than you and, uh, you know, I didn't have even that option. Well, I didn't know about those options when I got done playing. And of course we didn't have the internet even yet. So, um, to be able to jump online and start looking for things, in different parts of the world, just, it wasn't an option. So I just find it so interesting. And I, I really think it's a, a great thing nowadays that kids, I say kids, but you know, young guys that are getting done with their playing or finishing up their playing career, either out of college or pro ball immediately look to, well, what's going on in the rest of the world? You know, whereas, uh, you know, when I got out of school, um, it, that just wasn't something you thought about. It was, if you didn't get, if you didn't get signed, drafted, you know, go to an independent team or something, you were done. So yeah, I wanted to ask you that. And it sound it sounded like you were all over it. That, that was the first step that you just took right to it. So tell me a little bit about coaching. I know you're into strength and conditioning as well and training athletes as a whole, not just the fundamentals of the game. Uh, I know that you're more than just a throw the balls and the bats out there and fill out a lineup. I, I, I just from knowing you over the years here that you, you love to, to train in all, all facets of the game. So is there one particular part of the game that you enjoy more than the other? You're throwing all these good questions at me, Nick. You're challenging me here, man. I, I like it. The, <laughs> look, the game, the game of baseball is, is so unique. And, and I learn every day that I'm out on the field, but also through the conversations that I have with, baseball purists like yourself that they're really there's no end to what you can can learn and absorb in this game and just when you you think you've you've got a great way to do something you see another drill you read another article watch another video and all of a sudden there's a different way to do the same thing you've been doing but it looks cooler it's more creative and i'm gonna mix it up now so For me, I find that I'm always learning, yet at the same time, the thing that I like to do most is just I like to be out on the field and create an energy 
and a vibe and an atmosphere that's not only conducive for, for having a productive practice or session, whether it's with one player or one entire team. Mm-hmm. But what I like to do is, is just create an environment where the players, whether they're eight years old or 18 or 28, have the confidence and the self-belief to go out and just enjoy the game, have fun playing the game, but to do so in, in, with confidence. And yeah. I, I just feel like that the, the positive messages, the, the, the narrative in, in so many things that you read about or you see or you observe firsthand is, is negative or steers away from allowing someone just to enjoy what they do and be confident in doing so. So I really try from a young age and working with the players that I do. And right now it's predominantly young players that I have, have the chance to work. My big push with them is believing in themselves and to know that, that they have ability and to know that the, the energy that they bring and the energy that I bring are going to allow them to, to continue to improve and to be successful on the field, which will translate then into what they do away from the field. Right, right. You know, there's we always talk about how baseball is, you know, one of those sports that's fairly slow to evolve. I've written about it. I've read about it. I've experienced it. I've heard other coaches talk about it. And, you know, as coaches, when we start out, at least I know for me and and most of the guys that I talk to, when we first get going, we don't really have a game plan or a philosophy yet because we simply haven't learned enough, number one, and we haven't had the chance or the opportunity to go out and try things and fail and, and try other things, you know, through trial and error. And so my question to you is, there anything that you have stuck to since your playing days? Is there anything that a coach has taught you at a young age? And maybe it was something your grandfather or your father taught you when you were a kid, or maybe it was a coach in college or high school that you continue to use this day. And I don't mean, you know, philosophy wise, but is there anything in particular that, that has, you've continued to carry on, even though you're learning and trying new things out as you do every day? Absolutely. I, (laughs) there are many things that I can Uh still hear in my head from my younger years as a baseball player. And even as I I went into college and was away from, you know, away from my family geographically, I would still talk to my grandfather on the phone. Still would have a chance to, you know, tell him how the game went, tell him how I'm feeling, how practices are going. There are two things that I always remember him telling me at really any time. His his parting words are always one of these phrases. And then the other one, anytime that, that I was doing something or we'd be talking baseball, he would use, he would use that one as well. And the first one that he used each time we would, we would, I would say goodbye to him or I'd leave is don't forget to stretch out. So <laughs> a simple little, Hey, don't forget to stretch out you know, from grandpa who you know, from many decades ago. Those, I like how you, I like how you channeled him there with the voice. That's great. <laughs> so those words, not the literal meaning of them, but hey, it's important to get your body prepared to do what you need to do. And right. so obviously with the evolution of, of movement and mobility and flexibility and just athleticism generally, I've taken those words to heart as a coach now and obviously put my own spin and my own spice and flavor onto the things that I do with the players that I work with and trying them to trying to teach them to understand their bodies better and understand what they need to do to be prepared to go out and train, but also then compete. 
So yeah. that phrase for sure, don't forget to stretch out, has, is one that will never leave me. And then the other one, which I, which I definitely use interchangeably with, with the kids I work with and across the different disciplines of the game, is he would, my grandpa would say, see the ball. So you've got to see the ball and, you know, keeping it really dumbing it down to the, to those three words, mm-hmm. see the ball as a hitter, as an infielder, and even as a coach, you know, you need to know where the baseball is. You need to be able to see it. And right. when you, when you hear an interview with a major league hitter, who's really swinging the bat well, or is on fire, one of the first things I'll often say, I can remember watching interviews with Chipper Jones when his prime, when he would say, yeah, I'm seeing the ball really well. And it didn't yeah. really click with me until I got older and started to understand what that meant, that he's seeing the ball well. And it's as simple as that. So yeah. don't forget to stretch out, see the ball. You know, they've, yeah. they've taken on different meanings for me now that I'm a coach and, and a little bit more into, I suppose my, my prime as a, as an instructor and as a, as a facilitator of, of baseball, but mm-hmm. they do still have, you know, the, at the very core of them, they're very, profound messages that have been passed down to me. Uh, that's awesome. That's so cool. So when you're bouncing around to these different countries, actually, you know what? I'm going to get to that in a second. Let's, let's talk about some of the countries that you've been, I know you've been to 46 different countries playing and whatnot, but let's, let's um, talk about more recently in, and as far as your coaching goes, you know, when you and I first met, gosh, I, how long has it been now? <laughs> it's been a few years. And what's crazy is that we've never met in person. <laughs> But that we, is true. but we've had this relationship. It's kind of like a, a a futuristic pen pal relationship by using technology, right? With our WhatsApp and and emailing and all that. But um, I felt like I've known you forever. It's it's pretty amazing. It, so my question is, is that you know you're doing all this traveling around, you meet all these different people, and we met when you were looking for someone to uh, help bring over to your your first company, or was that your second company that you were working with, the, the Hit Factory? Right. At the time I, I had come to Singapore to run the Singapore, baseball academy yeah. and, and run an academy here in Singapore. And then was looking to bring on other coaches to help us continue to grow. And, and obviously as our reach widened and we continued to expand, it was imperative that we had guys that we could count on and professional coaches who had experience and knew how to do things. So that's when you and I met and we've kept in touch, as you mentioned, ever since. And yeah even though it didn't, it didn't pan out that you came on board with us. I, I wouldn't trade our, our friendship, our virtual friendship for yeah. anything. And I'm glad that it's, I'm glad that it's stayed the way that it has. And so, as you mentioned, my path brought me to Singapore, you and I were in touch. And then I continued to work in Southeast Asia. And then as, as recent as November of 2016, I, I moved on from, from that company that I was with right. and have, have started to do my own thing. Um, very similar concept coaching baseball right. and I'm doing so outside of the United States and have a chance to, to get to some pretty unique parts of the world and, and coach a, a various uh, blend of nationalities and, and backgrounds. So that's the, the fun part about what I do is that I'm interacting in different languages and different cultures. It seems like daily. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly what I was going, I was getting at. You led me right to it, which was, uh, having these experiences and teaching these kids that, uh, you know, are from different countries. Has it been challenging? I know that, that, that there were a lot of kids in Singapore that, that spoke English or that speak English. And so you had that, but I also know that you being the worldly guy that you are, you speak, how many, how many languages do you speak now? 
Well, I speak one yep. pretty oh. well, which is English. <laughs> yeah, <And> you do. <laughs> again, pretty well. It's not. It's not my best. It's not the best <laughs> English, but but anyway, the English is for sure the the mother tongue, and then uh-huh. I'm familiar enough with, and I wouldn't call myself fluent, but. Spanish is a language that I could could speak and interact in uh-huh. in Spanish speaking countries or amongst a group and feel feel comfortable doing so. Right. And then with my time in Austria, obviously uh, on the baseball field and really anywhere in the world on the baseball field, English is kind of a, a natural language that that mm-hmm. things are are, are that things go to. So ball, strike, safe, out. Those are right. those are words that are used globally, no matter where mm-hmm. you are in the world and, and on the field. So that's always been kind of an easy, I suppose, retreat is when you're on the field, Hey, you know, English is spoken, but right. being, being exposed to so many different players from so many different parts of the world, I, I pick up different phrases, uh, different, different ways of communicating the same message in a different language. So, you know, a little bit of Japanese here, a little bit of Mandarin there, right. some yeah. Arabic here, and, you know, a little bit of French. And so That's it's nothing awesome. that would allow me to go order a meal in, in these places, but certainly enough to raise some eyebrows or yeah. get a smile from someone or connect on a different level that if I'm just speaking English, it yes. wouldn't necessarily lend itself to do. Yeah, no, and it's it's such a great quality to have, and uh, it's been something that I know you hear people say, it, and I didn't really notice it until I started traveling myself. When you 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 know come back to the states or you 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 talk to other Americans specifically, and you know they hear that you travel, and they always say, "Are you fluent?" And you know that that term, "Are you you know fluency?" or the, the you just have no idea what it takes to be fluent in another language if you haven't tried to, <laughs> to try and speak it right, and it's absolutely. Uh, I mean, it just, it's just so far away from it. Like, like you said, you know, you can learn a lot in a certain language and and you can even maybe get to a point where you can order a meal or get a taxi or, um, you know, get by in a conversation and tell people what you do for a living and that sort of stuff. And it feels great. And I always like to use the phrase or the term professionally proficient when I'm on the baseball field, (laughs) as long as I can learn, as long as I can learn those words that I can get through to a kid or a player and connect with, you know, whether it's uh, extension or throwing or hitting or running, and you can get those basic words down, it does make your life a lot easier. And I just always find that very, um, very helpful uh, when you're doing that. It's just, it's always, it just keeps learning fun. And I I know you, you share that as well. So I'm going to jump into, a game you ready to play a little game let's play a game all right buddy i haven't found a good title for this game yet i've been playing around with it but basically i'm going to ask you three questions and i've uh, the questions are are going to come in the form of a fastball whether it's a two seam or a four seam i'll let you choose but it's it's going to be that pitch that you should be able to knock out of the park and then i'm going to throw you a curveball we all know what that is life throws us curveballs all the time and then the last pitch is going to be a meatball so (laughs) it's just going to be a little bit odd question but i think you'll enjoy it so all right first pitch here i'm going to give you a fastball and the the first one is who is your favorite or in your opinion the greatest athlete of your generation not of all time of your generation wow you sure that's the fastball there that sounds like it might be the curveball <laughs> well i mean you're, it's your opinion so you know whatever you say <laughs> certainly wow well it's hard to look beyond baseball because i, I know sure. the challenges are are of course uh the challenges as a baseball player are really incomparable to those that other athletes face, but, Oh man, 
I, I'm going to go ahead and say that this is the curveball, and I'm lo- looking forward to getting that fastball <laughs> on the second pitch. Look, the names that come to mind for me, Nick, are are guys like Tom Brady, guys okay. like Michael Jordan, of course. Mm. And if I'm if I'm going with a baseball guy, you know, someone that comes to mind right away is Ken Griffey Jr. And I look at those three guys who who have, in their own way, kind of left their mark on their sport yeah. and in a big way and not just, not just in, in well, no. the state where they played or the region or, or the country in fact. And so I'd, I'd like to think that if you're, if we're working in threes here, can I narrow it down to those three? Uh, okay. That's fine. I'll let you go with that. I thought for sure Jeter would have been up there since you mentioned reading his book and being you know motivated by him along the way. But I, I like those though. Those are good ones there. So you got a couple of different guys from some different sports. And uh, so if I, if, if we had to, if, you could only pick one of those. Who would you take? Well, I think Michael Jordan comes to mind in terms of go. when I when I was growing up. Of course, uh, in the in the '90s, he was he was sports. You know, he was anything associated with with anything that had a ball or shoes or, yeah. or competition. So, yep. I'd say Good one. his airness is probably the one that that I'd have to go with. I like it. Well, okay, here's the curveball. And this may not even be a curveball for you. You might be right. You might have, I might have switched these up um, unknowingly, but you, you are recently married, correct? I am. How long ago was that? You still, or are you still in the, in the honeymoon phase? It's been less than a year, right? Well, the, it's more than a year, actually. We just had our, our one year anniversary in late December. Oh, you December. did? Okay. In December. So, okay. That's right. It's, but the whole life, right? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, married man, the, the whole life is a honeymoon, right? Isn't that what I have to look forward to? <laughs> That's what we're going to go with uh, on the show here because this is going to be aired and both of our wives are going to hear that. So absolutely, Owen, 100%. Uh, my curveball at you, which may be the fastball, now that I've heard you say that, uh, what what little piece of marital advice that you've heard from from other people, relatives, friends, or whatever, are you trying to apply or that you feel is important in your relationship? Two things come to mind right away. And trust me, I've received plenty of advice from, from lots of people, whether they realize they're giving it or if it's just something that I'm observing and taking note of, Uh I'd say the first thing is communication. And for me, that's a big one, just learning to learning to communicate, but also learning to, I think I feel like a part of communication is listening. And so feeling, feeling like your voice can be heard, but then I feel more importantly, knowing that your ears are open and you're willing to listen, whether it's mm-hmm. something positive or something constructive. And so it's a communication and grouped with that is, is of course listening mm-hmm. with a capital L. And the other thing that comes to mind is, is pick your battles. I guess similar if you were yeah. to relate it to a, to a baseball coach in a game, you're not going to argue every ball, every strike. And not only are you going to tire yourself out, but, you're going to create enemies really quickly. So understanding what's most important and what is, what's worth fighting for and what's worth not necessarily shoving under the rug, but maybe forgetting about for a moment and circling back and maybe revisiting it in a way where in a way and at a time when the, the communication can be transparent and, and two way. Right. And when you're talking about, the using baseball as the metaphor, your wife is always the umpire and we always know how that works out. The umpire is always right. Right. That's, that's exactly right. (laughs) (laughs) 
So what's the point of arguing balls and strikes if they're never going to turn the call over anyway? So you got it, man. <laughs> man, I tell you, you you did flip those on me. It took you a <laughs> lot less time to answer that question than it did your favorite <laughs> athlete <laughs> during growing up. So Priorities, I'm going to give right? you, Priorities. yeah, awesome. Yeah, so I'm going to give you the meatball here. Hopefully this won't uh, stump you either. And uh, at all the countries you've been to, I like bringing this international thing to it. You know, we are part of the world baseball experience. So another reason why I chose you as a guest on the show is your, uh, your wealth of international uh, travel and knowledge. And with that comes cuisine. So what is it, my man? Where's your favorite country to get a good meal? And what is it? What would you order? Well, it is, it's, it's kind of the flavor of the week, honestly, because, because I do have the opportunity to travel so, so frequently and, mm-hmm. and be exposed to so much. I am very fortunate in that, in that regard that I've been exposed to a lot, but it is since home is Singapore and Singapore is, is certainly known for its cuisine. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to look past the local meals that I, that I have at, at my fingertips here in Singapore. So a lot of a lot of Asian influenced meals, such as uh, chicken rice, which I know that sounds pretty bland and boring, but I'm not much of a I don't branch out much in the sense of getting away from kind of my staples, which are rice, chicken, and vegetables. Mm-hmm. Um, those are kind of my go tos, and so a good chicken rice goes a long way. It's very inexpensive, you know, very affordable here, and it's a signature j- dish to Singapore, mm-hmm. and then. If I'm if I'm getting off the the continent of Asia and mixing about a little bit, it's it's always nice when I'm back in Australia to just have some good have a good Barbie, you know, have a good Barbie there night. You go. Have a good Barbie night. That's right. That's get out good. There and, and enjoy some snags and and some veggies mm-hmm. and salad and, and really mix it up with the locals. So you're not following the TB12 diet, the Tom Brady diet. I can't say that I am. No, I'm following the, <laughs> the diet that that fuels my body. Uh, I'm right. doing some other training things right now. So, you know, a lot of food, a lot of meals, a lot of water and repeat. That's awesome. Good stuff. Well, before we wrap it up, I would like to ask if you could just give us a little bit, give the listeners, you know, the people that are out there, this show, um, hopefully, you know, I don't know all five of them that are listening, but uh, I, I would like for you to share maybe one piece of advice on being the entrepreneur that you are and finding out that loving the game does you allow to live the dream. What is your favorite piece of advice or not even have to be your favorite, just a piece of advice that you could give to um, an individual, you know, male or female, young or old, that's thinking about getting into the baseball business in any capacity, coaching, scouting, front office, inventor of apps, whatever it is that they do. Can you give us some basic um, entrepreneurial advice that you have followed that has held true to your success? I can't say that it is, you know, the one, the only, the be all, the end all, but Mm -hmm. for me, something that, that I've always taken pride in and that has worked at least from my perspective is to maintain relationships and Mm -hmm something that that I've done from day one that was really imparted on me from from my father and, and my mother was to to maintain relationships to get to know people and to to stay in touch with them and it, it has helped me along the way to have so many great resources that I can access and people that I can talk to and not necessarily to reach out and ask for something or to get a favor but to 
to just stay in touch and to be a, to be a genuine person and to, to have that relationship and rapport and to ask them how they're doing. And, and then, you know, when it, when it does come time that, Hey, I want to travel to country a, then, well, guess what? I, I actually have friends there and they, they work in the baseball community or they don't, or they've offered to, to catch up for a meal, whatever it might be. And just those relationships, I think transcend baseball, they transcend the game and it just allows you to, as you've mentioned several times in this interview, the, it allows you to, to have the opportunity to, to have a global network. And I feel like that in, in the era that we live in now, everything is, is at the, the tip of your fingers, an instant message away or a, a quick little photo on WhatsApp away from, from anyone, any corner of the world. So mm-hmm. keeping in touch with people, getting to know people and, and creating those relationships, because not only does it help you develop that network professionally or personally, but it allows you to develop your, yourself as a person and, and become more well-rounded and diverse through the people that you meet. Very true word spoken there, my friend. Very true. And for those of you listening, you're starting to see a common thread here after we've gone through 11 episodes. This isn't rocket science, guys. It's, it is all about what he just said, turning over every rock, sticking your hand out, shaking it, making eye contact, meeting people that love the same things that you love to do and staying connected, you know, and, and never giving up going after it. So there it is again, just, uh, another, another little piece of evidence from, from Owen Reed, my virtual friend. I think I'm going to use that from here on out. I can't wait until the day we finally get to meet. We're going to have a great time. Um, (laughs) I just don't know which continent it's going to be on. Um, (laughs) Very true. (laughs) But Hey buddy, I just want to say thanks a lot. Oh, before we go, where can we find you? Give me a little shout out here. Give us your website, your Twitter handle, all that good stuff. What do you got? Certainly. My website is readbaseball.com. So the spelling of my last name, R-E-I-D, baseball.com. You can get in touch with me there. Check out my, my bio and some of the things that I'm doing and the, the things that I do globally. And and then I am not I'm not on I'm on Twitter, but I, I don't I don't tweet, I guess. You don't tweet. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm the same way. I I have it. I don't use it. (laughs) Some of my, a lot of my travel photos, I I do post on Instagram and yes. And my handle there is Owen worldwide. So you can find me, find me on Instagram at Owen worldwide. And then yes, if, if someone does want to get in touch, it can be through that Avenue or through my website. Fantastic. And I think I'm going to rig, you should rename that or start a new account and just, just be the baseball nomad. Cause that's a, exactly what I think of when I think of you. So there you have it guys, Owen Reed from Owen Reed baseball. Thank you so much for being on the show, my man. And I appreciate you taking the time. I look forward to our next conversation and I wish you all the best of luck and all the success in your business and your new marriage. Nick, thank you very much. And I'm going to, I'm going to reverse it on you there, man. I'm going to say the new marriage, then the business, right? Cause we got to have our priorities set. Ah, there you go. That's it. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. It's, I love what you're doing and I really appreciate the, the chance to connect and to, to share my story and, and hopefully allow others to understand that what we're doing is a reality, no matter where you are. That's right. Hey there, Nick Holmes again. Just wanted to say thank you very much for listening to Love the Game, Live the Dream, brought to you by World Baseball Experience. And if you get a second, please head over to worldbaseballexperience.com and put your email address in there, subscribe to our free newsletter. It's not really a newsletter. It's just me collecting your email address so that I can send you 
uh, updates and new podcast information, maybe some photos and things like that. But don't worry, I don't have the time to spam anybody, so I promise that uh, I'll only be sending you quality information. Well, maybe not so much quality, but entertaining nonetheless. If you enjoyed today's episode, please pass it on to all of your Seamhead friends out there, your baseball enthusiasts. If you didn't like this episode, then you're probably not still listening. So I appreciate your time, and once again, this is Nick Holmes signing off. We'll see you next time on Love the Game, Live the Dream. Take care. (laughs) 